the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. Pod people, Leo Phillips here with This Must Be The Gig, your backstage pass to the world of live music. Every single week we bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this gigantic big spongy globe. We talk passion, we talk first concerts, last concerts and everything in the juicy center. This week, we are delighted and very proud to share our conversation with Consequence of Sound's Comedian of the Year, Jenny Slate. In this chat, Jenny and I discuss the powerful process behind her twin accomplishments this year, her book, Little Weirds, get it if you haven't got it already, and Netflix stand-up special, Stage Fright, watch it if you haven't watched it already. We also discuss non-douchey meditation, her fight against the misogyny of stand-up traditions, which is so fascinating. It was a wonder to have that conversation and her hopes for the next year in comedy. After you've listened through, be sure to head to consequenceofsound.net where you'll find the full article covering Jenny's amazing year. And ho, ho, ho! And happy Hanukkah! You know, resolutions can be great, like being a little bit more mindful of how long you're mindlessly scrolling on your phone, your neck is creaking and your eyes get all blurry or you, I don't know, you need to read a book a week or respond to emails the same day, whatever you resolve to do more of. But also just know that because the calendar flips to another year, it doesn't suddenly negate the possibility that you're already exactly where you need to be. So uh, I think we should celebrate getting older and getting access to those little emotional baskets of wisdom and give yourself undue credit for the achievement of just being alive. You did it. You did it. Happy New Year to wherever you are right now from us at TMBTG. This must be the gig. It's been a phenomenal year. But let us not be delayed. This is me and Jenny. Enjoy. It's not like anything happened. It was just this weird, like, foggy brain that yeah. happens sometimes. There's nothing really going wrong, but like, I'm clumsier than usual. Or I step in something or trip, yeah. salt in my tea. And, you know, it's like one yeah, of those like, right. really lopsided off days. So what do you do to get out of that? Or at least just not make it worse? That's a really nice question. That's exactly the kind of question that I like. Because also it's actually really useful for me in terms of, um, in terms of discovering my own processes. Which, by the way, is why I really like being interviewed. Right. It, it's not like therapy where you're like, uh... 
like I really have to get to the bottom of this, you know, but, um, you know, like where the, there is that like ambition to solve your mind. But um, in interviews, I love to be honest about what works for me because then I walk out and I'm like, that's really true. But anyway, I think at this point in my life, I try to disconnect my current feeling from a larger story of failure or doom, right? Okay. <laughs> which I think when I was younger and I didn't know myself as well, but I had high expectations for myself. I would just sort of be like, if you're down and you don't know why, if you're just bummed out today and you don't know why, it's probably a message that, you know, more of this is coming for you. And it's like a really bad sign. Um, you know, no, I'm laughing now, because I'm nervous. I totally, because it really is resonating. Yeah, like it's, yeah. you're just like, oh my gosh, this is, you it's know, this coming. is a message or or the fog has cleared and I've just realized that I'm not, I'm just not anointed with whatever I hope to be anointed with. But now it's just kind of like, I really know enough about how my own mind works. But the first thing I do is that I'm like, you're probably underslept. Right. You're probably having a hormonal thing. Yes. Yeah. Like right. I just yesterday out of curiosity watched a video about like what actually happens to your brain when uh, what happens to a female body uh, brain um, when it ovulates and yeah. that like, it's, you know, like, your brain fires off your estrogen. Like there is weird shit that happens to you. And oh, sometimes, completely. yeah, it's not because you're not like a hero in your art or because you're unlovable, but it it's truly because like the lab that is your body is just fucking with you a bit. Mm -hmm. And there is that. But then the next thing that I do is, yeah, not to be a douche, but like I do have a, a pretty consistent meditation. Sometimes when I move to the back of my house. Oh, you um, lose cell reception. I lose cell reception, but I was trying to be back there because um, I didn't want to bother my fiance. But um, but now I'm just in the living room, and that is what we'll we'll have <laughs> to happened? deal with. Oh, well, we, um, can, we can thank him. We can thank him later. So you were talking about meditation, and surprisingly, yeah. you used the word douche. But why, yeah. why? But why is meditation something? I mean, I suppose it's 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 so widely used now. The term that it does seem kind of douchey. Well, or it just seems like, I mean, because there's really like meditation is a is like a straight up wonderful thing, and um, I do. I I'm just aware of the sort of like uh, self care culture that. Um, feels holier than thou and um, can feel inaccessible to a lot of people, like people that are just like, just take a half an hour out for yourself. And it's like, well, I work a nine to five or I have three kids and I can't just like take a half an hour out for myself, you know? Right, um, right. And I, I do feel sort of conscious about that. But, but for me, I don't work a nine to five and I don't have any children. And um, I do a very simple um, 10 to 20 minute a day meditation practice that when I started, I, I really, um, thought that it wouldn't work for me. And, um, I felt that it was, I was kind of doing it like as a last resort, just cause I was so incredibly anxious. Um, and I really, really wanted relief. And I kind of was like, I'll do anything. I just don't want to like be drunk and stoned constantly, right, you know, like that's right. not working Absolutely. for me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it surprisingly really did. <laughs> Hi, babe. Um, did work for me. Hi. And, uh, um, yeah, it works for me and it goes in and out and there, like everybody says this, but like there are some days where I sit and do it and I'm just like, wow, I've spent this entire time thinking about whether or not we need a plumber to come <laughs> because the shower smells weird. <laughs> Darn it. Um, and, yes. you know, and then, and there are some days where I'm like, damn, I actually really just got somewhere. Um, right. I like, cleared it out so anyway but it's important to compartmentalize things like that like what you were saying earlier that not looking at it as this bigger picture because I feel like that's the that's this quicksand you know when you start to think yeah. like your anxieties are a part of why you're failing in life or why you're yeah. not doing well and obviously weirdly this time of year I find I'm the most anxious and I don't drink I don't smoke I've, I've been sober for many many years and it's still that mm -hmm. anxiety is at like 
million thousand trillion you know it's really yeah. like exceeding it's it's really doing a good job because it's it's that weird reflective stage i don't know if you find yeah. that too where you have to suddenly like look back at things and look at how well you've done and there's all the like just like at this point you know the christmas culture doesn't necessarily mean that it's religious but right. it's there like all these like images of coziness that at least for now are paired with like you know, get to Target at 12 a.m. for the midnight Black Target, like Black Friday sale, yes. where we're all gonna buy like actual garbage that, that will break and is made like unfairly and cruelly in another country or whatever. And it just like feels it feels like shit to me. Like it, it just like the the culture of Christmas is like this strange duality of either it's super classic and it's like a bunch of people who don't look like me because by the way I'm I'm not Christian and don't celebrate Christmas of uh, like sitting around drinking eggnog and doing right. stuff like that or um or it's like these people that like are wasting their money because they're being tricked by Target and it yeah. just feels really no sad. it's really so fake that, yeah no I yeah, really feel all you. that in the like collective unconscious you know and and I it weighs on everyone but there's also a lot of a lot of cool things about it too and i i just try to i just try to make it new every day because even the good things that have happened and i would say that this has been a particularly sort of like positive um year for me and it's felt pretty bountiful in terms of my work um that i've had this cycle before where i've been like yes i just totally threw down what I meant to throw down and I'm really, really proud of it. And then, you know, I go into a dormant cycle and that dormant cycle is really, really important for me creatively, but in a, in a culture and in an industry where, you know, you've got to constantly be fracking yourself for your own power. Um, that dormant cycle can seem like failure or it can seem like you're, you're, you're losing momentum and it's actually just not true. And, and, so there's really nothing to take with you except for your like clarity of mind and and the continual practice of trying to find some some like comfort in like a daily human condition and that's right. where I'm at right now and for me yesterday I felt pissy like yeah. <laughs> I had a doctor's appointment that was an hour away from where mm-hmm. I live where like you know some lady is just like going to stare into my vagina and yeah. it's like you know I don't really need that at 9 a.m. Like, no. <laughs> but that's what has to happen to me at this point because, you know, helping. I am a human being. Yeah, no. it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. But, like, you know, for whatever reason, I, I ended up being kind of pissy all day. And, like, what I'm most proud of going to bed, like, my um, my fiancé and I were taking a walk after sundown last night. So we were kind of, we were walking around the reservoir near our house and it was dark out and, you know, we both had this feeling like, well, we were kind of, we were both kind of down. We're, we're both catching a cold and we're sort of pissy. And, and we've said at the same time, like, wow, we really made it through this day without catching on to that bad thing that wanted to take Right. Us. And letting it completely consume you. Right. Yeah. Like we didn't do anything pissy to each other. We, we like, we like survived that more like, you know, bitter day. And, um, and that is really cool. Like, cause there is definitely a time when I just felt so entitled to having all my feelings, which is tr- fine and, and right. That I couldn't separate from acting on them, um, having them and acting on them. And, and, um, there's a fucking giant difference. But you're right though. And in terms of like the dormant period, I always, I th- always think of it more as recovery because it really is a, yeah. t- a time to just recover, which we don't as a, as people who, again, look in your, in, in your industry, you're not sitting in a cubicle nine to five. You can go for a doctor's appointment at nine o'clock and you can have a walk about whenever you want. And having yeah. that, those moments of recovery and allowing yourself those, I think is really, yeah. really fascinating. I also, I, I'm, I'm Jewish. I also don't celebrate Christmas. And for the first time ever since moving here, I'm noticing how it is completely crazy how 
the, j- just how much they're selling you, how how much they want yeah. you to believe in the art of family. And to be honest, even Hanukkah, just between us, yeah. like Hanukkah was never something that we really celebrated back home. It wasn't, well, in South Africa, it wasn't really a big deal. But I think it's to yeah. combat Christmas here in America. They're like, oh, we'll put yeah. a Hanukkah up next to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. It's such yeah. a strange yeah. idea. But so what did 2019 what did you feel because obviously as you mentioned you've had a particularly wonderful year so what did it really teach you about not only yourself but more so about the art that you're making that's so hard I mean it's a great question um I think a bunch of things happened for me (laughs) and um one was the completion um of some major work. Um, my comedy special for Netflix and my book, mm-hmm. both of those things, um, you know, in a way, like it just, there's been a lot of stand up that I've done over the years and like I can't remember it. I don't know what it's about. Like it's gone away. So I won't say that like the special is the culmination of all of my stand up because it just isn't. But I really think that. I learned like the very, it feels like obvious, but important lesson that like I do my work first and foremost as a gift to myself that I make for myself and then I like it so much that I give it away. Um, and, and, and that the giving away feels good and that to feel that you want to express something is like, it can be sort of a, it gains a wonderful mass. You start to feel its weight, but you can't keep it for yourself. You know, it becomes a burden. Like if you, if you just keep it in, at least for me as a creative person, it becomes a burden. Yeah. And, um, and you you need to give it away, but you can't give it away if you don't make it nice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You you can't just like dump your experience on people. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't bum them out. And, and, um, I think this year has been for me, like in order to give away what I need to give away, uh, to feel authentic in this world and to feel like I pleased myself and that, and that I care about my experience, um, and that I can control, I can control how much I, I suffer or, or feel pleasure that I had to understand. Like, I, I think I developed like a main message for myself mm-hmm. and that message is, and I've said it a bunch of times now, I feel like, but that sorrow is not the same as pessimism. And um, while I don't want my art to be pessimistic and I really, really want it to be, um, I really want it to be hopeful. And I feel like I want to give hope to our world right now and live in a state of hope, even if that feels foolhardy, I I don't think it is, that a lot of what I feel (laughs) has been sorrowful. Um, and that there, there's a use for it, um, and that it, 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 there's an energy to it that is very interesting if, if you're willing to get in there and, and look at it. I, yeah, I really, really learned how to work privately. And, like, I, yeah, I didn't tell anyone I was making my special except for the people I was making it with. And um, I, I wrote my book completely privately. I mean, I had an editor, but at one point I just told her, like, I need to not be um, – like showing you anything for the next five months at least. I oh, just, wow. um, I just like can't create if I feel like other people are judging my process because there's a lot of it that just looks totally crazy, and I have to be able to be gentle on it in order to take it to the end. And so I learned a lot about my process too. And yeah, and I've got to say, like for the very first time, I feel like I learned how to be a good partner. And I'm, and I'm learning that still, I'm learning that still, but I, I stepped out of a lot of old behaviors that I've been doing for quite a while. Pause the podcast. It's time to step away from the conversation just momentarily with Jenny to share a little something that engineer Adam and I like to call the live show of the week. We're just doing it to help you. We are so excited to help you. Every week we bring you these amazing shows to go to. We highlight one of the most heart-thumping events we could find out there this week and share it with you, our pod people. It's going to change your life for the better. Just go out and do it. 
We're like a little audio aggregator. That's what we are. And this week, we're highlighting a duo of incredible performances in Chicago. 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 First up is the life-changing magic of Lynn Dewey at the Steppenwolf Theater. The beguiling love story spans Chicago's Kingston Mines to South Africa and beyond and features music from none other than South African heroes, Ladysmith Black Mambazo. And with the show running through January 5th, you'd be crazy to miss this. And if you're looking for something a little bit heavier, a little bit more of the metal persuasion... May we present a trio of performances from Doom Metal Icon Sleep at Chicago's Talia Hall, December 29th, 30th, and 31st. That's right. It goes right up to New Year's Eve. If you want to ring in the new year with ringing ears from all that metal. Aren't they playing with somebody whom we love? Oh, absolutely. They're playing with a few people that we love. Big Business on the 31st. The 30th is Josh Abrams Natural Information Society, who I love. What are these words? They're I do a, not they, know them. They're a local hypnotic jazz group. They're oh. fantastic, led by Josh Abrams. He's a great uh, bassist, and he plays some other instruments as well. And then on the 29th, our studio favorite, Circuit de U. I'd highly recommend that one if you could only pick one, but really you should be going to all three of those shows. Completely. Consecutively, nothing. You have nothing else on the, <laughs> on the docket. There's End of the year. Planned. Ring it out. Just spend all your monies. And if you want to get in on the excitement of those shows or any other shows, you can head over to StubHub via cosradio.lv slash StubHub and find the best selection of tickets to all of the hottest shows. That's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. And while we're talking about important things to do while you're on the internet, there is no better thing to do than to head to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right this very minute. Subscribe, rate, review. Leave us five stars. Go do it. It's important. But let us return on that note. <laughs> There's no easy way to segue. No, that's a perfect way to segue. Great. But let us return to this week's interview. Back to me and the wonderful Jenny Slate. Enjoy. Just getting out of your own way, I suppose, because when you do mm-hmm. work in private, it's such a, it's that little like magic moment where the only person judging is probably you. So it's also a weird sense of that is a, sorry to use the term, but it is almost self-care. It's the self-awareness that you kind of just say, right, I acknowledge you here. I call you whatever name, you know, sometimes calling that funny judgmental thing inside your head a name is really important. Yeah. You know, but do you, do you think that all of what you do, is it inspired by fear or is it inspired by love? Like, where does the core of it come from? Because you mentioned, you know, working on your book, um, which I was so excited to be able to attend your Chicago stop on your book tour. It was oh, so wonderful. So I was the one cackling from the top. <laughs> a lot of, um, and you also mentioned your, your stand-up special, of course. So what is the core of where it all comes from in terms of the storytelling? Are you in fear of leaving some sort of legacy or is it, you know, is the love part just accepting everything? Oh, I don't give a shit about a legacy. I mean, I yeah. think like, legacy is like a super it feels to me like a like like a misogynist concern right yeah (laughs) um it's just like I just like don't relate to that and I don't care and um one day I will die and I won't know that I'm dead because I'll be dead and um, that will be fine (laughs) um you know I, I don't care um but uh but I definitely care about whether or not I I'm helping out or causing damage um but that's still that's just like built in that's not like why I do my work I think my work will always try to be try to be um additional to our world try to add something and um but I think I do my work out of a need for connection that I've become comfortable with and that includes fear and that includes love and I do it out of a need um to connect and that is that's like a cycle it's I need to connect to myself I need to when I connect to myself I become sort of like a gardener in my own sphere and suddenly uh, something blooms and I give that bloom away. And then, um, and then I, I watch other 
people uh, react and I take those reactions and it, it makes me see myself in a new way again. And then I make something new and I just need to be out there. Yeah, I just need to be out there. So what was the first live comedy that you ever saw or the first performance, whether that was, you know, a band or a, a comedy show or a theater production? What was the first experience of that that you ever had? Wow, I no one's ever asked me that and I don't really remember what the first um what the first thing I ever saw I definitely remember being very very little and going to see Mr. Rogers live <laughs> Amazing. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh I I remember that I was a baby. I mean I I I was like on my dad's shoulders I yeah. think. Um I definitely remember that, and um, I remember, like, watching the older kids do plays at school and really, really just wanting to be old enough to do the plays. And um, the first concert I can remember going to was, I think it's the first concert I went to, but I'm sure I went to other things. And the other thing is that, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm agnostic uh, or, you know, I'm like a secular Jew, Um or and I don't know what you would call it. I, I'm I feel Jewish in my sort of ethnicity and my right. culture, of course, but not. I I really I really don't um, I don't like follow the religion at all. Right. But I at this point, but I, I spent a lot of time in synagogue as a kid, and I feel like the first performances I saw I saw must have been you know like singing in in temple, um, and those that that type of singing and. I'm sure the first actual singing I ever heard was from my dad. He sang a lot. <laughs> what did he um, sing? And as a, he sang the, like the Beatles and, yeah. um, <laughs> um, you know, thing. like Steely Dan and yes. stuff like that. <laughs> Hold on one sec. Sorry. Sure. Hi, Robin. I, I left a book for you there, too. One pen for you and one for your sister and then two just whatever. Bye. Merry Christmas. Sorry, I'm on a phone interview. Maybe you'll show up in it. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I'll that was keep a, that a man in. who came. We had a hole in our wall here because oh, the no. pipe burst, oh, and um, this man came to fix it, which was so nice. And he he came to fix it, and then um, he didn't like ask for payment. Oh, and wow. so when um, we were emailing, and he said, "If you leave me some books, um, I'll patch your drywall for free." So that's very nice. So I, I signed good. a bunch of books for him. And <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> That's yeah, so sweet. Actually, let's talk a little bit about your book. It kind of reminds me. I know you you read through Treat, which I really loved. And I was at the Chicago stop and I was so blown away by your decision to have your partner ask questions. There's such a special, mm. vulner- you know, you go to these, Q- I go to so many of those kind of Q&A things because I also love connection and human interaction. And there's this special vulnerability to of course, writing about your life, but then another to share your relationship with the world in that way. I, I just, I thought that that was really special to have him be a part of it. Was So mm. if you did, if you wrote it on your own, what part of the process did you share? Was it completely, was it at the end of the book that you started to share things? Or when, when, when did you actually let that, um, you know, let it be read by other people? I, um, I'm not super precious with like, uh, although I I discovered that I just I just need long periods of creating alone. There are times when I'll like write a rough draft of something and love it so much that I'll send it to a friend right away. But um, I I sort of just stopped doing that and became more quiet the more that my my process became my own. But I hadn't really ever written a book before in this way. Like I had written other things with other people. I. I wrote the Marcel the Shell children's books, um, but that was co-written. And I wrote a book of essays about um, my childhood home with my dad, but that was also like a really different experience. And I don't want people's notes, really. I don't seem to want them until the end. And so I sort of, I had like one friend that I would sometimes send things to um, because I feel like she really gets me. But for the most part, um, I created pretty quietly for a number of months and then I had a big packet and then I went to my editor's home in upstate New York and she and I read through everything um oh actually before I went to her house her name is Jean Garnett she works at Little Brown 
um, my, I went through everything with my dad and he and I went through everything and, and he was like, this doesn't make sense. You should just like cut that out. And, um, I took his advice a bit and then I went to Jean's house and we went through everything together. Because I know that your father was a poet, right? And and, you, is, and yeah. you also studied a little bit of literature. So writing, of course, is, as you mentioned, the work that you've done previously. It's not completely outside your realm of comfort. But I suppose there's so much ingrained in this, just this one book. And I, funnily, looking at your book... And then looking at the stand-up special, they really go hand in hand. Yeah, in a, they're in different, but the stray, same. I mean, it's of course, it's coming from the same source. Yeah. But there's so right. much. There's this piece in your book, The Root, a made-up myth. And that first yeah. line, oh, my God. Like, uh, um, I scribbled it down somewhere. Uh, you say, I want to be a part of a system of power that does not disgust me. And I love yeah. that line because it's so direct and it... You know, the entire story kind of cracks open religion and politics and gender, like all in a really short matter of time. I don't know how you were able to do yeah. it. It's just kind of wonderful. Um, but w when you're starting to build something like that, I feel like it also made me think that how women comedians, you know, there's such a distinct gap in gender representation and the idea of women and what it means to be a woman in comedy. It all came up because it's... It's kind of just addressed nowadays, but not really. Yeah. It's not really right. spoken about. And then women are the ones who are meant to have to say, you know, meant to have to stand as the mouthpiece for it. Right. But w what are your feelings towards that particular portion of your book? Was was the process of writing that part, was that really easy and quick for you? Because it was so close to, you know, close to your heart. I think it wasn't, I don't know, I wouldn't say that it was, like, easy and quick. Mm. Um, but but I will say that I just had to, to figure it out for a second about, like, you know, th there was just a lot of, I think what happens, at least for me, when I really realized that, like, something is abusive and inhumane and it and it has sustained, it has been perpetual in, in culture for so long and, like, Suddenly, I don't see it as vague or like maybe this is happening or maybe, you know, maybe misogyny sometimes pops up or whatever. Like <laughs> when the, when really, as I say, like the fog clears and you see the structure and you're just like and you see the ways in which we are compelled and encouraged to be avoidant and live in denial and say that um, something is enough when it isn't enough. Uh the first thing that happens for me is like rage, you know, just like big, big rage. And I don't feel that I have a lot of finesse when I'm in that state. You know, I, I, I just and um, it's really what is difficult is finding the balance between saying the truth and not inflaming that in the um, dialogue of accusation, because. It's like, how do I say the truth with, without oppressing or repressing myself and get the people that I want to hear it? Like, how do I make them listen to it? Because they're going to turn away if they feel shame or they feel accused, even, right. if, even if they're the ones that are doing it. Yes. Like, how do, I, how do I bring them in? And then what became easy was like, well, what are, why don't I make this about what I need for myself rather than like, all you pieces of right. shit are doing this shit to me and you're ruining my life and you're killing <laughs> You're killing us. You yes. are killing us. You know, like there is a version in which there could be a, you know, a, an essay called Mike Pence. Right. You are killing people. Right. And you are a racist, misogynist murderer. Like you close down every women's health clinic in Indiana and people die because of you and you're racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's just that, leave it at that. Like, well, okay, well, um, you know, like there's not much that we can do with that piece. You don't want to read it twice. No, and um, mostly I just want to say it. Um, and but once I realized, like, well, let's talk about what doesn't work in the Bible for me because I love, like, the Bible is so cool um, in a way, and um, uh, and it's really interesting. But why doesn't it speak to me as a woman? Um, and I don't know, but once I realized, like, I just wish there was a different myth for me because I need to feel spiritual, but I can't reach back to my own heritage to get that right now. So it's like 
a lot of this writing is just an exercise, like ended up just being, it started as an exercise for me. Like if I could say what I really need right now, what would it be? And then it just becomes clear, you know, like if you know what it is, if you're like, it's so, it's in fact, it's so pleasurable. And sometimes you don't have the answer. Like in the piece um, daydream type, it's like, I actually can't tell you what kind of fantasy I would like to have because the way that I make fantasies doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah. And this is where I am. So at least I can say where I am because a lot of times when our beliefs fall away, we fall with them because they're everything to us. And I know my beliefs in love or who, who a lover looked like, like truly decomposed in front of my eyes. And I felt like I was falling into that grave. And right, it's just like, that so sucks. Yeah. Um, But then it starts to come back. And like, you know, there's a piece called, um, oh my gosh, why can't I remember? Uh, It's it's like dating profiles. Why can't I remember Uh, what it's called? (laughs) My own writing. It's called Color Spirit. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. It's like, okay, I can at least try to say, if I weren't trying to change myself for anyone, what I would say about myself in a dating profile. And it's totally bonkers <laughs> and, and like bananas, but at least I can say something. And then towards the end of the piece, I, I, you know, because I'm writing it in real time, I'm like, this exercise is actually too sad to do. Right. I can't like, even exercise go through is, with it. <laughs> yeah. I just can't fucking do this. But you know what? I did try. And, um, yeah. and, uh, uh, it's fun. <laughs> but I think also, of course it's fun because you kind of, I love the word that you used earlier, structure, because you're kind of creating your own groundwork, right? You're creating this thing that you can then build yeah. upon as opposed to these like preconceived ideas of who you are meant to be as a woman, as whomever, yeah. as a lover, as a friend, as a you know family member. Pause the podcast. Pause the podcast. It's that time of year to start thinking about making a list and checking it twice. A list of live event tickets, that is. And whether it's a sold-out basketball game or your favorite band stadium tour, there's no better way to celebrate the season than grabbing tickets on StubHub for you and your family and your friends. Need gifts for your sister who loves metal, your coworker who's a hockey mega fan, and your Broadway-addicted dad? StubHub is your one-stop shop for gifts that will thrill everyone on your list. Better yet, grab an extra ticket for yourself and share some quality time with friends and loved ones over the holidays. StubHub allows you to get more live than anywhere else. With the widest range of events and over 10 million tickets worldwide, StubHub also has the best selection of tickets. Sometimes you want front row, sometimes you want balcony... Mm. Whatever the case, StubHub will help you find what you're looking for. So, head to StubHub.com, S-T-U-B-H-U-B.com, or their user-friendly app today to find the best selection of tickets to any event. StubHub. Be there. Sorry to keep bringing it back around, but you almost started to define a new trend in stand-up in a way because that documentary, all those documentary insertions, that's a very new style. Well, again, I can't see every comic doing that. Of course, it fit with you because you were so delightful and everything was just wonderful to see inside, you know, your brain and your home and your family. And then you come on with Missing You, which is like the best Robin song ever. I yeah, mean, that's like, the best song. Did you choose that song? Yeah, because I've been coming out to that song on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it became really, really important to me. And and um, the special was, you know, the reason why I didn't make a special for so long was because I was like, I don't like how they do it. Like, and I don't think I'm allowed to do it in another way um, because that because this is this is how they say you're supposed to do it. Um, but uh, when I went to, I, I wrote uh, to Netflix being like, I want to actually do this thing. And I, I don't want it to be a feminist battle cry, but I would like it to be sort of a feminist symphony. Um, and, you know, <laughs> yes. in the way that stand up, you know, has really what I think are like rather misogynist rhythms. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, like, you know, misogyny really wants there to be one way. It wants that way to be replicated again and again. There's like one main guy. There's one main way to be masculine and like replicate that. And and as 
Rebecca Solnit, the writer says, like, make sure that you are not penetrable because to be penetrated is like, you know, to be degraded um, in, in that image. And, um, so to repeat and repeat and repeat until you're perfect feels misogynist to me. And, um, I, and to not reveal much about yourself, you know, like not, not, don't reveal anything that people could use against you. Right. And so I decided like, uh, I just want to show everything about me and say like, Hey man, if you have seen all of this and your choice is to like, try to rail me, um, that's not on me. That's, that's, that's crazy. Um, and I'm, I'm giving you access to everything. Um, and I'm going to show that I can do this work, but that I also have this heart and I have these limits and I have these fears and they're a part of why I'm here. And it would be a lie to say that I'm, I'm on stage because I'm like a hundred percent confident. And, and that's, I think, what keeps a lot of people from not doing stand-up. And, and for me, I, I, I decided to do this special after I saw Hannah Gadsby's special, Nanette, oh, because fantastic. I was like, well, she just tore this whole shit down. <laughs> and now all these guys are, are having some sort of completely irrelevant yeah. argument about whether or not this is stand-up. And it's just like, of course this is fucking stand-up. You're just scared because you can't do it and you haven't done it. And because she's using images and stories that are, are, you know, traditionally kind of unspeakable or just meant for your psychiatrist or just meant for your most intimate friends or, or, you know, in the worst case, meant for nobody but your own internal suffering. And she's using them and we're all here with her. And um, well, I don't have stories like that. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful for that, that, you know, I, I haven't had that experience that that she has had i have an instinct to be out there as myself and to not have to do it in the same way that like some dude from the 70s did it (laughs) right i love (laughs) that you say like even the pacing is misogynist like how it's meant to be like when you pause and then look at the crowd and there's so so much about it is so inherently wrong it does it's not only it's not contemporary it just doesn't work for everybody so I love that you mm-hmm. are talking about this because how can you get up on stage? A part of a comedian's job, an actress's job, a, a performer's job is to really show themselves in a story, whether that is fact or fiction, you know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. So how do you do that if you're not feeling like the, the format or the ground is, is really meant for you? It's like the study of like, how do you be powerful without being um, so dominant that that you are the only thing occurring. Like, how do you become the generator of a, of a moment, but let that be in an infinity loop with the audience? Like, I'm not going to deny that I'm the only one that has the microphone. Of course. And of course, everyone's looking at me. Yeah, but it never feels like that with your work. Even on the book tour, I, the, the questions that came from the audience, like, People were mm-hmm. so part of, and you constantly acknowledge everybody too. You're like, hello, <laughs> um, you know, I, I can see you guys there, sitting there. <laughs> you know, there's no. Yeah, um... well, I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have anything if people didn't listen to me. It's just not that, <laughs> it's not that hard to figure out that, like, I should be hyper grateful for, for what's up. Um, and it's just, I'm just like trying to, I was talking to my friend the other day. Um, and she's, she is about to direct for the first time. And, um, and she was saying like, you know, I'm just trying to like figure like how to get, like, how do I get the confidence? And I was like, it, who gives a shit? Like (laughs) the fact that you're capable, I don't think I'm very confident. I don't even know how to discuss that, that that isn't like important to me because, there are tons of times where I'm a hundred percent not confident, but I have never once stopped because of that. Like the fact that you should be a hundred percent confident in order to get on stage. I mean, that, that really limits most of us, especially well, or, or, or to direct. Yeah. It's not yeah, that genuine. I mean, it's, it's just not possible. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you've diversified your own career as well, kind of widely as I can really imagine. You've started movies and done voiceovers and, 
gosh, they had brilliant roles in TV, written books, and now a special. Like, there's that expansion of your voice that I feel you've allowed to happen in a way that if you are concerned about fame and or confidence, I don't know if that might have happened in that way. You know, when you are, when, yeah. when you're looking at those touchstones as, because, you know, women are always called too intense if they don't come across as confident enough or, or too confident. Yeah, it's really like, it's just like not worth my time. to figure out how to how to like hit those balances (laughs) um I truly just think like I'm just trying to figure out like am am I kind am I hurting anyone with what I do um and if I'm doing okay in that respect and am I like am I like being cheesy or derivative in my comedy you know like am I am I just like am I just like saying things you know, there, there's a way that comedy can function where, like, you, you people say things that have just made other people laugh before, and they just reiterate that, and people laugh, and and that's worth something, of course. But um, but Is like it true to you, I suppose. Yeah, is the you know that's all. But like, I have like personal standards, yeah. but <laughs> you know, it's none of my business, like how I come off. Oh, but that, that is so, so is like I know you so say out of my it. Control. I know, but I know you say it so confidently and now and casually. But that is something that everyone is so struck to and so tied to. There was that like random book that came out that I never read called the I don't give a fuck or I don't know don't don't give no fucks or something. I don't know. But <laughs> I think the message is enlightening. Like what you're saying now, people take forever to get to that point, and it's so inspiring and. I just well, love that you're I mean, attaching it to your work because so often people feel quite entwined in their career or maybe, you know, like they can't give up a career because who are they then? You know, so I, I love that you have that. I don't know. I just, I just, it just makes so much sense logically, but to actually activate that is difficult. Right. I mean, it, I, I definitely feel it socially. Like there, there are just boundaries. Like it's not like the thought's not there. It's just that I keep it in the like appropriate zone. You know, like <laughs> yes. when I when I like first met my fiance's parents, of course I I'm wondering how how am I coming off and and like you know that's why we all have like manners and customs and stuff. But but when it comes to my creative endeavors, I just know where I'm coming from. You know, I just I just know that and. I don't even think that's even about confidence. It's just about sitting within oneself. And mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. I just know that now, you know, like I, I just, I know that. And it just seems like a fool's errand to try to figure out how a stranger is going to take me in. Um, that is not the same work as figuring out what I'm putting out because like, if I make a blueberry, I just know that it's that. But right. like, you know, if somebody eats it and they don't like blueberries, like that is not anything I can control. But I know that the blueberry is good. That mm, that's right. how it feels. To me. Right, like, but it, it becomes not... their story. Yes, their story <laughs> yeah. about the blueberry. Yeah, like after it leaves my hand, yeah. that's for them, you know, yes. make it into your jam. Stuff. I don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> put it on your face. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever. What do you envision for your next year? Like it going into the? I think it is a kind of special time to look forward to the future which I know you obviously present facing but if you forward facing and you're looking what do you want to see more of maybe in the realm of yourself and your work or in the realm of comedy or or what have you what do you want to see more of I want to see more movies like Jojo Rabbit and more movies like the Mr. Rogers movie that just came out. I think it's called The Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, right? It was Tom Hanks. I just saw it. And I want to see more work that assumes that its audience is benevolent and smart um, and, and that takes risks in that way. And that says, like, you know, I, w- I want to see work like that that is that is opposite from, you know, like – when I watched Joker, oh, I, I was yeah. just so so upset. Yeah. By how um, how dangerous that the messaging sure. in that so film was, and how careless I Absolutely. thought it was, and and that is 
that is it, it that is doesn't mean the performances weren't good because the performances mm-hmm. are great but um the movie is irresponsible and um and it just made me feel so sad and then i saw jojo rabbit which is a film that legitimately begins with archival nazi footage where there are you know people are just caught up in the frenzy of of like you know being being Nazis and they're they're pumped about it um, and that that film uses footage that could be dangerous and that could in the wrong hands um, incite violence and hatred and instead in the most complex way um, you know it says take take this in as part of a greater whole where you as a sensitive audience member know what is right and what is wrong and you know to be part of what is good means that you have to look at the bad and that you have to handle it you have to hold it in your hands and sort it and that film ends with a a beautiful Rilke quote about letting everything happen to you and I just hope that there is more art like that that is complex and takes risks and says at the end of the day we are all good and smart enough to make decisions for a community that will have a lasting benefit. That's what I want. And for my own self, I just hope that I can take in um, a lot of information and, and be a very sort of aggressive learner. That's my goal for this year. And then I'm going to get married <laughs> to the love of my life. Yeah. And um, I know yesterday was hard for both of us, I guess, but this is a really <laughs> nice way yes. to turn that around. I feel really great after talking to you. So oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kivel. We'd like to thank Dean Berger and Daniel Brater for additional music, as well as the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod. And generally, just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you already. During the holiday season, everyone's trying to get you to buy more stuff. Instead, head to StubHub so you can celebrate the season at a game or show. Take the whole family to the ballet, bang on the glass at a hockey game, or sing along with your favorite artist at a concert. Hey, we definitely count that as caroling. StubHub has the best selection of seats for all the holiday events you want to experience with your loved ones, and every ticket is 100% guaranteed. Get to StubHub.com or their user-friendly app today. StubHub. S-T-U-B-H-U-B. Be there. Consequence Podcast Network.